Hey, hi, uh, I am Richard Donner, but you can call me Dick, and you're listening to Superman Movie Minute? Is that right? Did I do it right? to another exciting episode of Superman 2 Movie Minute, the show that scrutinizes, analyzes, and you'll believe a man can flies 1980s Superman 2 five minutes at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I'm one of your hosts, Rob Kelly, and joining me on this journey through time and space is... Chris Franklin. Howdy, Chris. Hey, Rob. How's it going? Uh, well, I'm a little worried because I, a nuclear bomb is about to go off, and uh, if it does, I'm not going to be able to get far enough away to to survive. So it's very upsetting. <laughs> yeah, and I think Lois is a little bit in, in in more trouble than we are. I think actually, so <laughs> that is true. At least we're over here in America, away from from Paris, uh, which is in France, by the way. Right. Uh, so in these minutes, which are going to be minutes uh, 15 to 1959, it said it opens with the terrorists talking about that it doesn't matter one way or the other if the bomb goes off too soon, and it's going to close with the uh, cab hitting uh, Clark as he crosses the street. So, like I said, uh, you know, we were in the middle of Lois's wacky scheme to hang off the bottom of the elevator shaft, and to distract herself, she is uh, counting, spelling out the Nobel Prize and the Pulitzer Prize, and I do wonder, like, why is she, does she think she's going to get a Nobel Prize? Like, a Pulitzer, yeah, but why Why a Nobel? Well, that, that when I was a kid, I kind of, because of this movie, I conflated the two together, like they were the same thing, or more or less, right. you know, and it's <laughs> like, it was years later, I'm like, oh no, you don't win the Nobel Prize for, you know, being a, you know, reporter, basically, the Pulitzer Prize, you do. But yeah, so it, yeah, it is kind of strange. I guess she thought maybe because if she saved all of Paris, she would be, you know, I mean, I'd, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, it's like, wow, Lois, you know, she's went from reporter to, to savior, you know, and the, you know, so <laughs> I, I do think it's interesting when we see the elevator going up in the long shot of what I guess is actually the real Eiffel Tower. You see the, the dummy of Lois underneath and it's like you're far away and they zoom in and it from far away it looks fine but they almost get too close you know it's it's like right there it's like okay you guys probably should have stopped a few feet back you know <laughs> before you zoomed in of course now we're looking at it on hd tvs on blu-ray and so those type of things i mean it's not horrible or anything it's not like you know a dummy that gets thrown off a building and the arms and the legs move in ways that human beings don't move or anything. So it's not mm-hmm. that bad, but yeah. So I, th- I just thought that was kind of interesting. That's something I noticed this time. Yeah. I never noticed it until, until this time really. Yeah. Like you said, it's, we're not used to watching these films on like this crystal clear, uh, a picture and stuff like that. So uh, in between shots of Superman flying towards uh, France, we have the, the, the French police with their plot and they're going to blow the elevator and get the bomb away. And I think this is something we've talked about uh, in other contexts about it's kind of cool that, yes, this world has a Superman, but at least the, like, the, 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 the law enforcement of this world 
do take actions into their own hands. Like, they don't just sit around waiting for Superman to fix it. They don't even know he's coming. And so, I, I mean, their, their plan isn't really great because, of course, they're going to detonate the bomb and they don't, they don't realize it. But at the very least, they're trying to take method. They're trying to take, you know, the situation into their own hands. Right, right. I mean, we, we're told that they've been, they've been watching the whole time. They, they don't, they're, they're confident that they haven't primed the bomb. Because they've been watching, even though they've only been watching through apparently a pair of old school binoculars, you know, <laughs> it's just like, man, I don't think I'd, I don't think I'd risk that, you know. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm, you know, but, but I, I will, like you said, I, I give them credit. They, you know, uh, they're trying, you know, at least they're not just like you said, they're not waiting. These aren't the the Gotham City Police on the '60s Batman TV show, right? That were completely <laughs> just called Batman, just called Batman, you know, Jay Walker. You know, shoplifter, <laughs> call Batman, you know, I mean. There's a zoning dispute. I don't know, call Batman. He's right, trying, he right. There's a fender bender, call Batman. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, so at least at least they are uh, competent, even though we'll soon see that what they do, if Superman hadn't been there, Paris would have been screwed. Uh, yes. So <laughs> I do think it's funny, um, the, uh, uh, the terrorist – uh, which terrorist? Uh, we mentioned terrorist number three last time is actor Richard Griffiths, who's famous right. for the Harry Potter films. Uh, but terrorist number one is actor uh, Roger Brearley, and uh, he played Mister Holmes in Young Sherlock Holmes. Uh, and he has a couple of Doctor Who appearances to his credit for Shag and all our Doctor Who uh, buddies out there. Uh, but I guess if you're a British actor, you've got Doctor Who appearances. Yeah, I mean you're either been in a James Bond movie. On Doctor Who, in a Hammer movie, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Star Wars, Superman, you know, you there, there's there's a Venn diagram of right. of all that. Right. It's all you know because all the Pinewood and Elstree and all these studios there and that that they filmed at. Uh, but I think it's funny that that uh, uh, he asks uh, Terrace Number One says, "I hope you don't have too many sins because if you do, you're only going to have sixty seconds." To list them if that thing, you know, and and I'm like, the guys are planning on bombing Paris. They got, I mean, they don't have a lot of sins. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> the casual conversation amongst these guys is kind of funny because at one point he also says, now this is the boring part. <laughs> yeah, they are very blasé about all this, considering that they're playing around with a, a thermonuclear bomb for pizza. Yeah, and it's like it's like, oh, come on, man! I've got to I've got to go pick up my laundry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I've you know, there's a show on tonight I want to watch. You know, let's get this over with. You know, this is the boring part. It's like, well, I don't know. Want to know what these guys do for excitement? That's all. I, that's all. Really? I <laughs> and I'd love to know what their plan for escaping was because they have. I mean. They're at the top of the Eiffel Tower. It, it'd be pretty hard to escape. I mean, you've you you have very limited ways of getting off the Eiffel Tower, which is basically just the elevator. Right. And at the bottom, I mean, the police could surround it, and you're done. So they they really didn't think this one through at all. But of course, they're that's why they call them terrorists, Chris. That's right. Um, they're terrible at it. <laughs> yeah, they're terrible at it. Uh, I, I I like I mentioned the intercutting between footage of Superman flying, of course, across the the Earth. And I, I like that in relative terms, it takes him a little while to get to France. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Modern Superman would just be like, boom, and he's right there because, of course, he can go at four billion miles an hour. But I like that, you know, this takes a little bit of effort. It's like it's probably, I don't know, like a minute or two at the very least. And I like that. It gives Superman a little more of a reasonable scale. 
Well, and I like to, I mean, you see, you see him and he's like flying above the planes, which these effect shots look really nice too, by the way. Yep. Yep. And, and then when you, you cut, you cut away from him back to the Eiffel tower, then you cut back to Superman and you see like Christopher Reeves, like he's like looking to see like ahead, like I guess with his vision powers. And then when he sees there's the Eiffel tower, he gets that look on his face and he lifts his arms up. And puts his yep. fist out, and it's like he pours on the gas. It's like yep, he steps yep, yep. on the gas. I like that. It's like he's got his arms back behind him at first because he's he's moving out, but he's really pouring it on once he figures, okay, there's where I need to go, you know. And yep. that that's kind of nice too because there's no air lane, you know. Uh, so so Superman's <laughs> got to kind of stop and think about what direction he's flying in, you know. So I like that too. It's not like he's got like a homing beacon that that brings him in right to everywhere he wants to go. So I, I thought, I thought that was cool. And this is another little touch that shows, you know, how being Superman works. Right. And Christopher Reeve really thought it through. I remembered Richard Donner crediting Reeve with the first shot. We're going back to the other movie, of course. Now I'm guilty. I was blaming you for going into the sequels. Now I'm going back to the other one. But I mean, of course that very first shot of Superman and the forces of solitude, apparently it was partly Reeve's, uh, just inherent, like th- he thought that through, where he slightly banked a little mm-hmm. and gave it that curve, and it was really Reeve that like did a lot of the sort of thinking it through about how to how to make it look cooler. So yeah, I like that you do have some visual representation of like, okay, I'm going pretty fast, but now I'm really going fast. He's turning into that uh, purple comet kind of thing that Alan Moore described in the last Superman story. So yeah, I like that. Um, I'm, I think my favorite detail of these five minutes that makes me laugh the most is right around the 1754 mark where Superman stops the elevator yeah. from, from stopping and Lois you know, reacts. He has this slight look that goes across his face of annoyance of like, <sighs> like Lois, you know, <laughs> it yeah. just kind of looks a little pissed off. Like, do you have to get yourself into this stuff? It's it's very brief, and it's almost it's almost like a smile because he's just like just rolling his eyes a little in his own head of like, oh god, you're always doing this kind of stuff. I, I love that touch. It goes by really fast. It's kind of the same look he gave her when he turned the earth back, and she gets out of her car and she's complained about there's telephone poles falling everywhere. Yep. Blah, blah blah. And he gives her. He kind of shakes his head and smiles. It's kind of the same thing. But I love Superman's got the best opening lines. I mean, you know, because he's like, he does. I believe this is your floor. I mean, you know, it's like. <laughs> So he thought awesome. that on the way over. He had a couple of minutes to think. He was thinking, he was like, what? What can I say? Are get going my way? No, that's not right. Hold on. What yeah. do you think? Okay. Oh, yeah, good. This is your floor. That would be good. Yeah, Something wrong with the elevator? I mean, you know. Yeah. <laughs> right. I've used that one before. No, wait a minute. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was funny. Uh, I was watching this with, with my daughter, Danny, and she is very much like my mother in a lot of ways. And, and my mother passed away before Danny was ever born. But they both – have a thing for Christopher Reeve because <laughs> Danny just uh, during this scene, you know, you get the smile and he's like, her reaction was, he's handsome, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that he was. <laughs> yes, yes, very no much. About that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a straight guy, but I gotta say, that's one good looking dude, you know. Yeah, I mean, good looking man, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, there's, there's lots of male actors that I know women like, and I just go, really, him? But, but uh, Christopher Reeve, totally. 
Totally. He's just a good looking man. He looks like Superman. I mean, that's right. un, unreal. So, and then kind of a follow up to the look that he gives her is when uh, she gets off and she hugs him and then she f- remembers. Yeah. Where he's like, You okay? And then she remembers and she's like, A bomb, a bomb. And he just goes, I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, I got it. I got it. Don't worry about it. I'm, I'm Superman. I, I got this handled, Lois. It's fine. <laughs> it's so, I love it because it's like, it's, it's, it exudes confidence without making light of this dire situation. It's like, yes, he's yes. like, I'm going to take care of this. It's okay. It's all right. It's like, <laughs> it's like when you're, it's like as me as a parent, like, you know, when your kid like has a bicycle wreck and they're like banged up or something and you're like, it's okay. It's all right. I got mm-hmm. this. You know, it's that same kind of thing. It's like, yeah, I know it's a nuclear bomb. I got it. It's okay. <laughs> I'm <laughs> super. Great. I love it. I'm super. super. Yeah. That's right. And I love how when Lois comes off, you know, he he one he's got the elevator with one arm and he hugs her with the other and she kind of starts to pull away. Then she sinks back in. I like mm-hmm. that. I like that's a nice little touch. And it's 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 like you know, she's relieved from the trauma and also the whole well it's Superman and she's love struck. You know, I mean again right. it's it's of course it's Superman. Now if you go by the sixty seconds that terrorist number one mentioned, the bomb would actually go off. Right about the time we see Lois looking up at Superman taking off. Oops. <laughs> yeah, whoops. <laughs> if well, real time. If this is real time, you know. <laughs> maybe the terrorist was wrong. Maybe they're, they, you know, they're, he, he's, he's, He's not uh, he's not the best terrorist in the world. Yeah, so, they're pretty you know, terrible terrorists. Yeah, pretty terrible terrorists. So yeah. yeah, so yeah, Superman pushes the the elevator up through the top of the Empire of excuse me of the of the Eiffel Tower, and it looks great. It looks like it's a it's a good effect. It looks yeah. great. He just smashes his way right through. It's a very Superman-y thing to do. Mm-hmm. He takes it all the way into space, and he goes pretty far out. Like he goes way past the moon, uh, the moon and stuff. So he's he's going pretty far, which is I mean it makes sense. You don't want a a, a nuclear bomb going off near the moon because you don't no. want to affect that and then it gives the shock waves where and it knocks superman back uh in a little bit and then the colors are kind of muted which is like an interesting touch like he looks extra dark and then we see around 18 minutes and 50 seconds our three villains we see the phantom zone villains in their in their their little glass thing now i i i don't i ask you chris i can never figure this out they look like they see what's going on, but do they? I mean, would that even make sense? Like, I mean, is that thing like a portal? Can they see what's going on outside, or are they, they, or am I reading that wrong? No, I think you're reading it right because one thing in the comics was they could always witness what was going on, but they could never like interact with anybody. That was okay. part of the hell of the Phantom Zone, you know. Uh, so, it, which was it's kind of creepy because that meant. That you know there are all these ghosts basically watching you, mm. you know, with you know, at all hours of the day, basically. Thanks. Uh, yeah, you know, and Monel. A little privacy, Monel. Please. Yeah, exactly. Everybody always goes to Monel. Poor Monel. Just let the poor guy die. You know, I mean, God, <laughs> it'd be better to die of lead poisoning than to be in a phantom zone for a thousand years, Clark. <laughs> Come on. All our Legion fans are going, yay! You know, but anyway, uh, so uh, Brainiac Five, all right, but but uh, uh, yeah, it, it, I, so I think yeah, I think they could see. And what I think is interesting is you can you know you can nowadays, and I don't know if it may be intentional, and uh, because there's so many different cuts of the movie and stuff, but you can kind of say, well, why are the Phantom Zone the access to it here? Well, maybe they followed the rocket ship through the space warp. You know, maybe when when Clark, when Kal-El's rocket ship went into warp and, you know, warped away from Krypton or what was left of Krypton, 
uh, then the whatever that physical aspect of the Phantom Zone went with them, and that's why they're floating out in space near Earth. So hmm. I never even that you know I never even thought about it. I was yeah, I was always like, boy, that's a coincidence that they just happen to be going by. <laughs> but that you know that's a that's a no prizey worthy explanation. I can see that. I mean, that's where yeah, all the they, kryptonite comes from, right? Because exactly worked, you know so. It's floating out around Earth because it worked through Spain. That's where you get that's that was the whole plot of Smallville. So <laughs> right, know. that's true. That's yeah. true. <laughs> so the Phantom Zone uh, cube or whatever you want to call it gets hit by the nuclear waves, and we get some kind of iffy animation. Um, it's okay, but it it's so clearly animation. Yeah, uh, that it's I think it's a little jarring, but it's fine. It doesn't last all that long. And then there's a really great shot, and I I don't I'd love to know how they did it because it's I mean obviously this is pre digital, but when we see the the Phantom Zone portal explode, and then the three villains go shooting out in all directions, and it's all kind of one shot, and then it looks it looks really cool, like they're just being flung from this thing as it cracks open it's a really really not i mean those are probably just dummies yeah but um but it, it looks really good and still just the fact that i wonder how many times they had to do it to get that right because that's a lot of stuff to coordinate yeah i mean there's some really nice effect shots through here you're talking about dummies i i forgot to mention we see superman flying towards the eiffel tower that's probably a dummy yeah, like that so. last minute but it looks really good and then of course there's a dummy of superman on the elevators it's going up that looks really nice and uh, but yeah, that other than the animation right there, which reminds me of the Joker falling off the tower in Batman '89, uh, which is oh, man. obvious animation there. Not this isn't quite as bad, uh, but it is obviously animation. It looks like a like a prog rock album cover or something there for a minute, you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, the Alan Parsons project or something. Uh, but uh, yeah, but when they explode out of there, that is really nice. Looks really good. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's a nice effect. And so then after that happens, we see Superman kind of uh, regaining his composure as he's sort of tumbling. And then he slowly regains his sort of composure and then he flies back uh, to Earth. Now, this is the thing that bugs me. It bugged me as a kid and it still bugs me as an overgrown man child now. Um, <laughs> I wish this sequence was edited differently because when I watch it, it's like, can't Superman see that? Like, yeah. it, why, like, can't he see that this giant explosion just happened a couple – like, he sees the nuclear bomb go off. He doesn't see a second explosion and three people flying out. Like, like and you could have fixed this by simply switching the scenes. You could have had Superman get knocked off his axis by the waves. Mm -hmm. Then, Then he slows down turns around and flies back to earth then you cut to the phantom zone blowing up but by the fact that they intercut it it always even as a kid i was like why why did superman just ignore what he just saw how could he not see it it's like uh, relatively a couple of miles away that I, I, we're here to love this movie but that one scene bugs me and i do we haven't mentioned the editor of this film because it's not Stuart baird mm. it's um john victor smith who was basically richard lester's hand-picked editor he worked on robin and marion in cuba and uh, finders keepers and the three musketeers so he he was you know he was lester's guy mm -hmm. but it like that that just i don't know does it bug you the way it bugs me i, I never really thought of it i just kind of assume it looks like he got knocked back like he looks like he's closer to the sun now so i almost wonder if he got knocked back like almost past the – well, I mean he's still going in the same direction toward the earth. But it looked like he got knocked back like past the moon because they fly toward the moon. 
And mm-hmm. Superman, you don't see him go past the moon again, I don't think. But you see him, and he looks like he's closer to the sun because the sun's over in the left-hand corner of the screen, the the, the brilliance of the sun. So, I I, I mean, I, I see what you're saying, though, and now that you said it, it bugs me. But Sorry. You know, the only thing that really bugged me here was that <laughs> Superman's cape isn't fixed when he turns around. It's like flopping over to one side. Right. Like, he didn't have Henry Cavill's animated cape either. You know, it wasn't no. CGI. But now that you've said that, though, I've got this whole other plot in my head where Superman gets knocked. He doesn't see him because he gets knocked back to Earth from the blast. And then he wakes up not remembering his Superman. And it's like that great uh, George Reeves episode, Panic in the Sky, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we've got a whole other movie we got going on oh, here. Oh, that'd be uh... awesome now, man. I'm just now I'm getting like Christopher Reeve and George Reeve all mixed up. In my head, it's cool. So, <laughs> I've got, so too many Reeves going on here. But yeah, it's again, it's a minor thing. It just and I just I feel like it could be so easily fixed by just rearranging the sequence. Yeah. You wouldn't even have to put any new footage in; just move it around differently because it just does seem like to me like how did he not see that? And I also wonder if if we have established that Non and Ursa and Zod are watching this. Like, I wonder what they think that guy is that they see flying in outer space. Like, are they probably like? Who's that guy? Like, you know, like, or is everybody like that? Because, I mean, Kryptonians presumably cannot fly in outer space. They don't have special powers. No. Uh, on Krypton. So, they're, they, like, I wondered, are they like, who? who is that guy? So, clearly, no, neither one can see each other. They're but, far enough away that they can't see it. But it's just the editing is just a little a little on the dodgy side. But yeah, not a big deal. Yeah, they, they act later like they have no idea of who Superman is, you know, right, and later right. on. Who is this Superman? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we see them, uh, and when we see them approach the moon, which is, I like that as a touch. Like, they, they, of course, go to the nearest space body they see as opposed to guiding right to Earth, because they don't know. They don't right. know what, you know, they don't know which one is which. I mean, because Krypton looked kind of like the moon does, honestly, mm-hmm. you know, so mm-hmm. uh, what we saw of Krypton. And, and I do think that now... We're going to have to I, – I, I think we're going to learn different. But right at this moment, they do not speak in the vacuum of space. And no. in the Donner cut, they do because Zod's like, free, you know. So uh, so this version, they don't. So right now, the, the laws of physics aren't totally just obliterated, you know, uh, here. You know, it's not Superman – never going to be Superman 4 level with uh, Lacey Warfield oh. out in the vacuum of space, you know. Uh, but <laughs> although I, now that you've, now that you've brought it up, I do wonder why the elevator would even last in outer space. Wouldn't that just melt? That's not built. That's not heat shielded for the, oh. the, the immense heat of going through the earth, the ionosphere and all that stuff. I would think that thing would just melt in Superman's hands. Well, John Byrne would tell you that Superman's electrochemical aura was uh, emanating from his body around the, <laughs> sure <laughs> around the elevator. So it keeps his cape clean and stuff. Yeah, we know exactly. all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like uh, I like that we don't hear them talk. I think it gives it an eerier feel. I mean, we've already heard Zod and Nan and Ursa talk in the well. We haven't heard Nan, but we've already heard them talk in the first movie, and then of course we heard them in the opening moments of the second movie of this movie. So it's it's not like we're we're not familiar with what they sound like. But to me, it does gives it just feels eerie that they just kind of look at each other and indicate. You know, this is where we're headed. I, I, it just gives it a, a slight, like, oh, okay, I don't know what's going on here. And so I, I like that a lot. Yeah, I do too. I do too. I really like it. Uh, and then we cut to the streets of Metropolis. And uh, these, these five minutes ends just as Clark is 
uh, jaywalking across yeah. the street, called Batman, uh, and uh, he's <laughs> he's about to be hit by a taxi cab, and so that is where the uh, the five minutes ends. Yeah, and and we we come back to Metropolis, and to establish we're at the Daily Planet, do we focus on the globe up top? No, we focus on the fruit stand because the fruit stand is the iconic imagery of the outside of the Daily Planet in this <laughs> in this movie universe. I think. <laughs> People just love buying random fruit off of a street corner in New York City. Not even a corner, but a street in New York City. From a or, very excuse me, pushy excuse me, metropolis. like, look at these. Look at look how fresh it is, you know. It's very exciting. <laughs> very excited about the Clementines, whatever he's got. So, uh, so yeah, that's about it for this uh, for these five minutes of Superman 2. Yep. I think we did it. All right. All right. I think we did, too. So uh, I could, that's going to do it for this uh, segment of Superman 2 Movie Minute. Of course, you can find all the other really cool Movies by Minute shows over at MoviesByMinutes.com. We'll have that link in the show notes. Uh, you can find Chris and I, of course, are doing our various shows uh, on the website, which is uh, Fire and Water podcast.com and please leave comments about this episode uh on the on the website we'd love to hear from you and when we do our, our feedback show like we're always going to like we did for uh, first season so i guess that is going to do it so until the uh, next episode uh, i guess we will see you guys later bye bye good afternoon mr president sorry i've been away so long i won't let you down again 